The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Hallelujah. Do you still have your nails? Show me your nails. Let's, let's, let's see your nails, everybody. Not your fingernails, if you're watching me for the first time. Your nails. Okay, if you don't have your nails, let the ushers give us new nails. Say, <laughs> but pastor, I have my nails at home. Don't waste the nails. Have two nails. Go home with a new one. Okay, their hands everywhere. Please keep the hands up. Like I said in the earlier service, that as long as you don't go and be selling the, <laughs> selling the nails for profit, uh, if the significance of this nail becomes a reality in your life, and I pray that it will be in Jesus' name, then it will have been worth giving you these nails. The nails are to serve as reminders, reminders to us on what God wrought for us on the cross of Calvary, what Jesus did for us, you and I, for every one of us. And it's, it's, the, the cross is so, so central to our faith. It's, 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 it's unbelievable. And that it can be so misunderstood is scary. In fact, it's one of the most misunderstood parts of the Christian faith. Ask a Christian you meet on the road, what's the cross? You hear all sorts of things, you know, I mean, that's, People call the cross. And if we get the concept of the cross right, a lot of things begin to fall into place in our Christian, in our Christian work. I talked about an, um, a message I got earlier in the week about a lady sent, sending me um, a video of some men of God encouraging us to wear our crosses on the 29th of, of May or March. I, I don't know. And... Um, and she's confused. She said that when she heard the message on, on last week's Sunday, that she took all her earrings and her necklaces that had the crucifix and she threw them away. I'm like, I didn't. Did I say you should throw them away? Did I say you should throw them away? No. I said, if you knew the weight of what you are carrying, if you knew the weight of the cross, it will change your life. Of course, if it has an image on it that's supposed to be Christ on the cross, you can throw that one away because Jesus is not on the cross anymore. But just the cross, in fact, you, you, would, you, you should, I don't want to say you should tattoo the cross on your, on your chest because, I mean, there are different views on tattooing. But you would wear a t-shirt that has the cross every single day if we really, really understood, the cross is so powerful. So, should we wear the cross on the days that the men of God are encouraging us? And, and I explained to her that, look, listen, it's, the cross has changed from centuries, from being the, 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 the center of our faith, as it were, to being the brand of our faith. So, the cross is, is, for a lot of people, it's just a brand of the Christian faith. It's just, it's just what you wear to associate with Christians. And in certain generation, 
it was the fish, the sign of the fish, because there was a lot of persecution. If they saw that you had the cross, they would kill you. So Christians became innovative, and they came up with a new logo, and which was the fish. If you see some cars, have you noticed some cars that have the fish? Anybody? That is also a brand. Now, it's neither here nor there, because whether you wear the cross, whether your cross is big like this, or you wear the fish, put it on all your cars, it really wouldn't matter if the work of the cross is not in your heart. It really wouldn't matter if the pain that Jesus went through is not effective in your life. So the most crucial thing, while well, you can wear it there, there, is for what you are wearing to have a meaning in your life. Do you understand that? Over the years, this concept of the cross is not new to the New Testament. I mean, when the Jews sinned against God and there were serpents in the camp and the serpents was biting them, poisonous serpents, God said to Moses, raise up a brass, a bronze serpent. So everyone that is struck by this serpent that looks at the bronze serpent will be healed. So Moses raised up the bronze serpent, which was a type of Christ, and everyone that was beaten by the snake, when they look up, it's just a miracle. When they look up, they are healed. And Jesus says in John 4, John 3, 14, Jesus says in John 3, 14, that as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on the pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So, Jesus was saying, the same way Moses lifted up the bronze serpent, I must be lifted up. Everybody that looks unto me will be saved. Do you know what the Jews did to the bronze serpent? They turned it into an idol. They began to worship the bronze serpent. And that's what a lot of people are doing with the cross today. The cross has become Nehushtan. Nehushtan is the Hebrew word for the brass serpent. The cross has become the Houston. So people, someone was, is having a, um, a, a bad, maybe a, a nightmare, and he wakes up and he's bringing the cross, you know. What does that mean? It means nothing. You know, you say that, oh, you want to, some people want to conduct, <laughs> it's just ridiculous, the uh, deliverance, and they are placing the cross on the person that they are trying to deliver. Listen, that is nothing. I'm messing up some people's theology, right? <laughs> Listen, even if you place the physical Bible, printed Bible, on somebody, it's nothing. We substitute life for tokens. We tokenize everything. So the cross, in many places, have become an an object of worship. Whereas, it is Christ. It is at the name of Jesus that every knee bows. That is the life of God. Praise the name of the Lord. So we deployed the nail. We deployed the nail <laughs> on the flesh last week. Two weeks ago, when we started this teaching, 
we deployed a nail on the flesh. And we said that when self wants to raise his ugly head, we nail self to the cross. And we said, we talked about self-righteousness. We, we talked about self-confidence. We talked about self-deception. We talked about self-centeredness. We talked about self-hatred. That when any form of self wants to raise his head, we do what? We nail it to the cross. And last week, we applied the nail to the boastings of Satan. When we, we explain that when Satan boasts about us, Satan brings condemnation. He brings condemnation. He brings um, guilt and all that stuff. So when we begin to feel those feelings of darkness, of guilt and condemnation, we should bring out the nail and hammer it and use it. I mean, it's, 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 it's like a prophetic action. And we looked at using the nail on the world. Crucifying the world to yourself and you to the world. And we ended with Galatians 2.20. In Galatians 2.20, uh, Paul said, I have been what? Crucified with Christ. Everybody, nevertheless, yet not, but and I live by faith in the who and uh, is it that first service people, what's going on? First service, they were on fire. Second service, they were on fire, reciting it. Third service, you were not here last Sunday. Or you forgot it. Anyway, be encouraged to take that scripture and memorize it. And memorize it. So today we are going to dive straight into, into it. And we're going to go really fast. So if you're writing, um, you're going to write at jet speed. We explained last week how powerful God is. And today, we're going to take it further. While growing up, we play cards. We play cards, you know. And um, how, many people have, you've, how many people have ever played cards here before? Cards, cards, good. Almost all of us, we play cards. I'm not talking about those that are gambling with cards. No, no, no. I'm talking about normal playing cards. No, so while we are dealing the deck in the cards and you pick a joker, when you pick a joker, what, what, what happens to you? You smile. When you pick a joker, you smile on the inside and you don't say anything. You keep quiet, you know, and everybody's playing. You are playing your other cards and everybody's playing and everybody's playing. And when it gets towards the end and you're your competitor is feeling that they are winning and all that and all that. Then you just bring out your what? You bring out your joker and you end the game. Because the joker silences every opposition. The cross is God's joker. The cross is God's joker. If you look at it, the cross is God's joker. You see, the beauty of the cross is that it is a mystery to Satan. Satan has no clue about the cross. The cross is a mystery, total mystery to Satan. God had his joker 
The Bible says before the foundations of the earth, Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the earth. So while God created Adam and Eve in the garden, and Adam and Eve sinned against God, guess what? God was not shocked. God was not surprised. God had this joker. His joker was there. He was looking at the joker. And the devil thought he's, he's one. But God looked at the joker and God gave serpent, the serpent a hint. The son of the woman is going to bruise your, your head. So the serpent kept guessing. The devil doesn't know everything. Satan is knowledgeable, but Satan doesn't know everything. So he guesses a lot. That's what he did to Eve. He said to Eve, as God said, as God said, you should not eat. If you read that scripture, Satan didn't really know the tree. He didn't know the tree. He, he just used a head. As God said, you should not really in all the translations. I, I, I tried, you know. As God said, you should not, you know. So how did Satan know to use that one? It is simple because Satan knew God. And Satan knows that there's a part of God that is called the sovereignty of God. Everybody that we work with God will have to wrestle and deal with the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God in your relationship with God, God will say to you, this is a no-go area. He doesn't need to explain it to you. Everybody else may be doing it, but you cannot do it. Why? Because he's sovereign. And in your relationship with him, he said to you, you can't enter into that field. And it's not necessarily a sin. I mean, and, and, and there's the lady that, you know, God said to her, you must cover your hair when you come to church. And the lady's like, ah, how can you tell me to cover my hair? Look at the choir, they don't cover their hair. Look at everybody, they don't cover their hair. Even the pastor's wife does not cover her hair. How can you not tell me to cover So, after a while, she had this very nice hairdo. She says, well, I'm not, how will people appreciate my hair if I cover it with scarf? I'm not going to cover my hair this Sunday. So, she came to the church with her hair uncovered. Guess what happened? An angel physically gave her a knock. She heard it, boom. She was like, she heard it again, boom. She ran outside. She looked for, <laughs> she quickly covered her hair. There, in, in, you see, if you want to work with God so, successfully, you have to be at peace with the fact that you can't do what everybody else is doing. I've told you mine several times. So God, um, said, the, the enemy, Satan, he knew that about God. So he said to, to Eve, as God said, you know, what did he tell you not to touch? You know? And she opened her big mouth and put all of us in trouble. But thank God for Jesus. <laughs> okay, so, so we see that Satan is limited in knowledge. He keeps guessing. Satan keeps guessing. He really doesn't know. He knew that God was going to send a deliverer for Israel to bring the Jews out of Egypt. And he was killing all the babies. Why? He knew one of the babies was going to be a deliverer. He didn't know who. He was guessing, 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 guessing. He doesn't know everything. Many times we give him credit for too many things. He doesn't know everything. In the time of Jesus, when Jesus was about to be born, the star was revealed. The wise men saw it. But Satan didn't know where Jesus was going to be born who Jesus was going to be. 
So he stirred up Herod. And they killed all the children that were born two years and below. Imagine killing babies two years and below. Why? Why would Satan do that? He didn't know. He was guessing. And I'm praying in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth that Satan, concerning your life, Satan will continue to guess wrong. In the name of Jesus. He will continue to guess wrong. 1 Corinthians 2, 8 and 9. We, we pray the scripture a lot. 1 Corinthians 2, 8 and 9. The, the word of God says that, but the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had understood it, they wouldn't have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the Bible means when it says, eyes have not seen, nor hear heard, nor the man's imagine what God has prepared for those who love him. So if Satan had known he would not have crucified Jesus, the cross was the joker. If, 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 if he knew that if he crucified Jesus on the cross, he was going to lose everything. Lie, lie. If I will make Jesus king. He thought he was eliminating Jesus. Meanwhile, God was elevating Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Every plan of the enemy to eliminate you, God will use it to elevate you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Therefore, God has given him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. What the enemy taught for evil, God turned it around for good. Satan doesn't know everything. Doesn't, doesn't know the details of your life. In fact, if you look at the story of Jesus, it's so interesting that, I mean, short of saying, if it's not that, you know, God hid it from him, you know, God can hide you in plain sight. If Jesus was talking about his death at any given opportunity, Jesus was saying, for this purpose was the Son of Man revealed, I'm coming, I've come to die. He told Peter, Peter says, you will not die. Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. Right? I, will, I, I am born to die. He said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will build it. Talking about his death. I'm going to resurrect. I'm going to die. I'm going to resurrect. Jesus kept saying it, but the devil couldn't hear it. Everything that pertains to the detail of your destiny as much as you keep saying it, the devil will not hear it. In the name of Jesus. Don't be afraid. He's not as smart. In the sense that God will dull his smartness concerning you. That is how it is. If he had known, he wouldn't have killed Jesus. If the enemy had known, he wouldn't have crucified Jesus. The things that the enemy does to try and hinder people is to throw a cross at them, which is what Jesus, he threw a cross at Jesus. Meanwhile, the cross he threw at Jesus was used for his glorification. And there are many people here, you have a cross situation as it were from the perspective of the enemy throwing something at you to hinder you, to 
to, to crucify you, to, to, to eliminate you, guess what? God is going to use that same thing to glorify you. And you see, by the time God is done, the enemy is going to bite his finger. You know when people bite their finger and they like, Chai, you should have left this woman alone. You should have left this man. If you call that principality, you're a very stupid boy. You should have left these people. See how strong they are. They are now so powerful. They are taking over the whole world. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> should have left them alone in that tiny corner. If the enemy had known, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And as much as we say this, sometimes we, we struggle. We struggle with the fact that can God really give me a clean slate? Can God really forgive me? Am I really forgiven? Is this thing really possible? You see, I don't know what you've done. But I'm here to tell you that if you will come to God, God will wash it away. It will be as white as snow. It doesn't matter with God. I mean, if you look at the story of Peter, Peter denied Jesus. I mean, if, 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 if everybody else denied Jesus, it shouldn't be Peter. Peter was in his inner caucus. Peter, they ate together. Peter followed him to the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, you know, the things everybody else did not hear. Peter was part of the three people that heard it exclusively. And Peter denied Jesus. Not once, not twice. They said to him, oh, you, we, we, we know you now. You are the one that followed. Are you not part of this? He said, I don't know him. Peter said, look, Gaskiani, I don't submit this guy. So he moved away to another place. He to me from. He went to another corner. He was there, you know. And ah, is this not the guy that is following this? Peter said, "You people should leave me alone." I said, "I don't know this guy." And he went to another corner and he said, "And the little guy said, surely, even the way you are talking has given you away. You are one of them." Peter says, "Well, lie." I swear to God Almighty, I don't know this guy. And as soon as Peter said it, the cock crowed, and Jesus looked at him. And Peter left the place. Imagine when they said to Peter, Jesus had risen. It's, it's easy to look at the, at the Pharisees and at the priests and, and see and know that those ones would be ashamed anyway because Jesus had risen. They tried to kill him. They couldn't, death could not hold him. But how did Peter feel? When he said, come and see the Lord, how will he feel? How will he feel? There's, there's a video that dramatizes that for us. Let's, let's roll the video. Let me tell you a story. You may not believe me. I barely believe it myself. 
dispute what my soul knows. Peter! John! It's all true. Come see this! Everything he said. The tomb! Every impossible detail. It's empty! It's all true. Loses its footing. You have me confused. I don't know him. And we stumble along our way. I said I don't know him! to 14, it says that the handwriting that was written against us, all the record that was against us, he took it away by, by what? By nailing it to the cross. And immediately, I mean, it, it goes on to say that, that in this way it disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. The devil and all his demonic host has been defeated, disarmed, and publicly disgraced and shamed. Publicly. Publicly. It wasn't a private affair. It was a public disgrace. Jesus publicly disgraced him. So, so what does that mean for you and I? 
What does that mean? It means three things. Easily be seven, twelve, you know, but we are going to look at three. Three things. Number one, it means I am free from Satan and his and his host. I'm free. Number two, it means I'm not only free; I'm empowered. I'm empowered to destroy every work of Satan and his demonic host. I'm not only free from Satan and his demonic host, I'm not only empowered to destroy his works. Number three, I am free, above all, to walk with God. Let's take it one by one. I'm free. I'm free from Satan and his demonic host. Colossians 2.20. It says, you have died with Christ. You are crucified with Christ. And he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Jesus has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So everyone in this place that is under any form of bondage, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let the bondages be broken in the name of Jesus. Fully, fully. Set you free. And let this now be a reminder to you that your freedom was purchased. Your freedom was fully paid for. So you are free. And free means free. I, I say this, you know, I mean, I've said it before, I mean, severally, it is an insult for a Christian to be sleeping and demons will be pressing you down. It is a big insult on Calvary. Believe me, it is. The moment you realize that and you rise up and become who God has called you to be, they won't, they won't even come near you. Because you are free. No one say, oh, pastor, let me praise the Lord. I said, for what? He says, oh, I was sleeping. And there was this masquerade. They were chasing me. And they caught me. They were pressing me, pressing me, pressing me. And I said, Jesus. Ah. <sighs> And I was free. <laughs> I'm like, well, I thank God for that, actually. But it's an insult that they're able to press you down. They should catch fire. Do you understand? They should come near you and boom, explode. That is how it should be. It, it, listen, I mean, the story of, I shared in the first two worship experience of, of a young man that he was maybe early 20s perhaps, I don't know. He, he, he went for, he did a crusade in the village. And in the village, the first day of the crusade, second day of the crusade, people were giving their lives to Jesus, bringing their chance. It was burning them. And this, this boy was on fire for God. And the chief um, witch, the Ogbonga of the village, was not happy because she was losing customers and she will lose customers. So she decided to attack him. Not spiritually now. She came. The guy was, was a village, so there was no burglary proof. He was sleeping and the windows were open so fresh air could enter. And he said he felt fear, like an envelope and wind. And he was, he turned and he saw this woman physically by his window, all dressed up with charms. 
to attack him. And he said he looked at her and he smiled and turned his back and slept. The following day, he went for the crusade and of course, he gave the altar call. Guess who first gave her life to Jesus? The village witch, the chief witch. Then she would give her testimony. Guess what she said? She said, when that boy smiled, that there was confusion in their kingdom. Smile and slept. If it were many people, oh God, where is that cross? Oh, where is the anointing oil? <laughs> oh, further and that. Further and that. It's okay to die in a prayer prayer. But I'm, <laughs> I'm just saying, a lot of those prayers are out of fear. You will look for your house fellowship leader's number. What's his number again? Uh, I said it as Alex Jeffish. No, 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 no. It's Chide Du Jeff. You even forgot his name. You are praying for prayer warriors, calling for prayer warriors because you don't know who you are. That is going to change today. In the mighty name of Jesus. This boy looked, smiled, and slept off. Slept off knowing. They have not given back to the demon that would defy Calvary. The, the demon has not been created that would defy the work of Jesus on the cross of Christ. It's, the, the demon does not exist. <laughs> Hallelujah to Jesus. So, so, a lot of the things that we do, everyone is just wondering what kind of people are this? Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5 says, Yet it was our witnesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. Verse 5, he was beaten so that we can be whole. We can have peace. The chastisement of our peace was on him. And he was whipped so that we could be healed. So, Jesus, I'm not only free spiritually. I'm free in my mind, in my soul. I have peace. I'm free in my body. I have health. I am free. He says, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. You are God's anointed. Number two, I'm not only free, I am empowered. I'm empowered to destroy the works of Satan and his demonic host. Fully empowered. In Colossians 2 that we read, it says, Jesus publicly disgraced, disarmed the enemy and defeated the enemy. Publicly, publicly, meaning it wasn't, a, it wasn't a private affair. It was a public show of shame. And, and, and you, know, you see, that is so powerful. And the fact that you're a child of God, you should be filled with so much confidence. It's unbelie- it should be unbelievable. I'll share a story, I mean. I'm sharing this story basically to show you that it's not just for pastors or ministers, or prophets, or evangelists. It is for every child of God. Every child of God. Years ago, I was 21, 22. I wasn't a a, a pastor, a minister. I became a minister at 23. I didn't even know, I I mean, why they made me a minister? I I didn't even know what I left my life on my right. But I was 21, 22. I I was not a minister at the time. I was a worker, I was serving. And the, the, the pastor was preaching, 
at, at the time, and the power of God hit, and, you know, it was so fantastic that, you know, people that had demon spirits were just, demons were flying out. So there was this guy that was possessed, strong guy, possessed of, of, of some demon, and the demon began to be violent in the service, and the pastor didn't want to stop preaching, so he said to the ushers to take him to a room, so they took him to a room, and after a while, for some reason, they, they asked me to join the people that are praying for the um, possessed guy. So I got into the room, and three things surprised me. The first thing was that this, the demon was speaking phone. You know, have you heard demon speak phone? Serious, heavy phone. I don't even know how to speak. I, I've tried to imitate phone. I, I don't even know how to do it. <laughs> Let me try. I can't try. <laughs> Heavy one. I was like, sure. So the most they speak for me. <laughs> I didn't know that until that day. <laughs> you know? Secondly, that surprised me. The demon said to the head of prayer, who was a woman at the time, and the demon looked at her and said, you, you're a witch. If you come here, and the woman just palmed the one corner. <laughs> Now, I'm not, I don't know if she's a witch or not. You know, the devil is a liar. You know, he could just have, you know, harassed her for nothing. But she didn't know who she was, so she just. Then he looked at my friend, Wallex, and he said to him, you, you didn't pray yesterday night. If you come here. And it was true. Wallex didn't pray yesterday night. <laughs> so he stayed in one corner. Oh, my goodness. Ignorance is a very terrible thing. Very, very terrible thing. So I stepped forward, and I looked at the guy that was possessing the demon in the eyeball. His eyes were blazing. I looked at him in the eyeball. He looked at me. He's fierce. I stared into his eyes. He stared into my eyes. You know what? He's possessed and possessed. We are both possessed. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. He has... The demon spirit, I have the Holy Ghost. But greater is he that is in me. And that's what it is. So I stared into his eyes, and after a while, he looked down. He looked down sharply. I said, look up, look up. Looks up, looks down again. So in my heart, I was like, yes. <laughs> no, don't look at me like, I was just 21, 22. That was about 20 years ago, actually. So, I wanted to be a part of the service. I mean, don't waste my time wrestling with some demon that has been dispossessed 2,000 years ago. So, I didn't want to be in that room where service was going on. So, 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 and I knew my guys were there, and, and they weren't taking charge, you know. So, I said to the demon, I said to the demon possessed guy, I said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, you are not allowed to cross this line. And I drew a line, bloodline. And I turned my back and I left the room. I went into service. When I came back after service, my friend would say to me, that this guy that was possessed, that maybe he forgot, I don't know, for some reason, he would get angry, we charge at them and get to the line and stop. And go back. After a while, he would charge at them. I mean, that kept happening. So my friend says, for most, show me now. What do you put for that? Eh. <laughs> what do you put there, you know? 
I'm your guy. Show me the way. I, I, I laughed. I said, there's it's actually nothing. Nothing in the sense that nothing of my own. I just knew that the demon that would defy Calvary has not been created. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. If he defies it, you know what's going to happen? What's going to happen is, if he defies it, the whole host of heaven will be on the case of that demon. Because they are the law enforcement agents. I'm just a traffic warden. <laughs> That's how it works. That's how it works. That's how it works. So I was saying say to my friend that, what is wrong with you? Say, so so I know I know pray yesterday night too. That demon was. And I was explaining to him, he has, look, your, your position with God. And look, I'm, I'm, you know I'm all for prayer. And by God's grace, I, I, I do some praying. But your position with God has nothing to do with whether you've prayed 12 hours or 3 hours. So he said, hey, I said, yes. I said, he said so, so what if you had not prayed? I said, if he, if, he, if he did tell me you didn't pray, I will say to him, how is that your business? If you have a son, your son didn't say goodnight to you and went to sleep. He wakes up in the morning and says, hey, I'm not your son because I didn't say goodnight. You will look at him, is he crazy? The fact that your son did not say goodnight to you does not reduce his status as your son. He's still your son. What makes him your son is not because he can talk to you. In fact, he can talk to you because he's your son. So even if I'm not so bloody what? Did Jesus not die for me? Did Jesus not defeat you? Were you not there? Was it not an open show? So carry your bag and go. That is the basis. But the enemy always tricks us into self-righteousness. Oh, you've prayed for 10 hours. You've prayed. To, so you are feeling it's your prayer. Foolishness. Pray for 50 hours is not, it does, it's not enough. It can never be enough. So why do we spend time praying? Because we want to be with our father. Because we love him. I want to be like him. So he rubs off on us. Praise the name of the Lord. So Jesus was saying in Mark 16, 17, that this miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes and with safety. And they will drink poison. If they drink poison, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. They will be healed. Hallelujah. So, the beauty of the cross is that it's the joker. I'm free from Satan and his host. I'm free from, I'm empowered to destroy his work. By the way, have I talked about next weekend? Here? Okay, no, I haven't. Next weekend on Saturday, we are going to have a deliverance service on Saturday. It's not going to be an identical service. It's just going to be purely a deliverance service. Why? Let's even, let's do some practicals of this thing. And what we're, what we're going to do is this. In fact, what we're, going to do, we're going to call teenagers to come and do the deliverances. They don't even need to, I won't even tell them to fast or pray or anything. 
Saturday. Don't go and hide your children. <laughs> I'm not going to bring my children. You should expose them to power. Do you understand? Let them taste this thing so that they won't be following five cents. Or is it 50 cents? Okay. Guys, don't want more than five cents. Anyway, I'm sorry. I don't mean to attack anybody. I'm just talking. So we see that. So that's what's going to happen on Saturday. It's not going to be an identical service. Usually we do identical services. Saturday's going to be different. Then Sunday's going to be our Easter service. And did I talk about tribe? Oh, I forgot the first two worship experience. This tribe, we have, we have a guest minister from Cape Town. He's going to be taking our, 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 our tribe session. He's, um, he's, he's been here with us before. He used to be in Lagos, um, Dr. Dushote, but he's, he's in South Africa at the moment. So he's going to come in to do tribe. He's going to find his way back there shortly after. <clears throat> so you don't want to miss this tribe. Anyway, where was I? Number three. So number one, what's number one? Why is this important? Why is this significant? Number one is what? Free from Satan and his demonic host. Number two is what? I'm empowered. I'm empowered to destroy the works of Satan and his demonic host. Number three, which is the most important thing, the open show, the, all the drama was put in place. Number three, so that I can be free to work with God. So that I am free to work with God. You see, the truth is that we are not just forgiven. We are justified. We are not just forgiven. We are justified. We are not just forgiven. We are justified. And that is huge. Somebody defines justification as, as just as if I have never sinned. Justification is just as if I have never sinned. So justification is the act by which God declares me both forgiven and righteous. Because of the work of Jesus. So, it's one thing to be forgiven. It's another thing to be righteous. To be forgiven means the things you have done will not be used against you. To be righteous means the things you are doing is acceptable to God. So, I am forgiven because of what Jesus did. But I'm also righteous because of what Jesus is doing for me. So, when we receive Christ, all of his punishments and all of his righteousness is counted as ours. All. So, the punishment I'm supposed to bear, the righteousness, the favor Jesus has with God is mine. So, (laughs) isn't that beautiful? Why? Because God requires two things for you to be able to walk with God, for you to have a right standing with God. Two things must be in place. Your sins must be punished. You must pay for your sins. And number two, your life must be righteous. So, since my sins must be punished, and my life must be righteous, and Psalm 49, 7-8, Psalm 49, 7-8 says, yet they cannot redeem themselves from death. By paying a ransom to God, redemption doesn't come so easily for no one can ever pay enough. So I can't even fully pay for my sins. Even if I fast for 51 days, 1,000 days and pray for 10 million hours and, and cut myself, whatever I want to do, I cannot pay. It will not be enough. So Jesus bore our punishment. He paid 
for our sins. And guess what? He performed our righteousness. He lives, Hebrews 7 says, Jesus daily lives. He lives to daily make intercession for us. So Jesus performs my righteousness. What does that mean? When I'm, every step I take, God looks down and doesn't see me. He sees Christ. And that is huge. That is huge because if he sees me, I'm imperfect. But if he sees Christ, he's perfect. He's complete. So Jesus died on the cross. When God looks at my past, he sees the blood of Jesus cleansed. When he looks at me now, he sees Jesus' outstretched hand saying, have mercy upon him. Have mercy upon him. Have mercy upon him. And, and, and that is so fantastic because if you, if you take the illustration of a, of a little boy that offends his dad and the, the man wants to twerk him and he was good, gets his belt, pulls down his pants, you know, direct access twerking. Do they still do that these days? Do they do that? Direct access twerking, they pull down your pants and they will flog you in your bum bum. They used to do it in my days though. God will help us. Was that child abuse? <laughs> it is the call child abuse. It's, un- it's unbelievable. Anyway, and, and the mom comes and the mom intercedes and says, oh, please don't beat him. It's, it's, and, and the father, because of his love for his wife, says, okay, I'm not going to touch this boy. And he forgives the boy. But does it make the boy righteous? Because that same boy can leave that place and go and do the same thing. It's unrighteous, it's forgiven, but it's unrighteous. But in our case, we are forgiven and righteous. Why? Our sins are forgiven by Jesus. Our deeds are interceded for by Jesus. It's beautiful. Praise the name of the Lord. Totally beautiful. So, God looks down from heaven and sees me totally blameless. When God looks down from heaven, he sees me totally blameless. When he looks down from heaven, he sees you totally blameless. You need to enter into this. God is not looking at you and says, I need to slap that girl. Or I need to... No! If you receive this, what Jesus has done for you, God looks down and sees you as totally, totally blameless. So we can come before God in confidence. Can come before God in confidence. Why is confidence needed? Because God is still holy. God is a holy God. New Testament didn't change God from being holy. God is still totally very holy. So what does that mean? If you show up before him with impurity, gone. Like the high priest. When they show up before God, they needed to tie a rope on their feet. When they show up before God, and there's an issue, they die. But God says we should come with boldness. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for us. We should come with confidence. So when we, when we say, Father, we have confidence by the blood of Jesus to come into the place where you are. To come into the place where you are by the new and living
living way. We come into your holy place. We've come to worship you with all of us. We've come to worship you. Sometimes, like Peter, when we're approaching God, we want to stop. We are like, are we sure? Even to come to church for some people is a challenge because they think about themselves and they're like, that church, God is there. I'm not sure. But you see, God wants you to come today with boldness and confidence. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. And let's take that song. And let's say, Father, we, we have confidence by the blood of Jesus. Christ of Nazareth, 
God bless you. Right there. Keep your hands up. God bless you. God bless you. Can I, can I still join them? Yes, you can. You can. You can. Father, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you today. We ask, oh my Father, that you breathe upon them, Lord. Change these lives, Lord. Totally. Fill them with resurrection power and let your name be glorified. Now, the rest of us, everybody else, I want you to talk to God and say, Father, going forward, I will walk in the fullness of resurrection power by your grace and your mercy in the name of Jesus. Let's lift up our voices. Let's just talk to God. Let's talk to God. Let's talk to God. I will walk, O oh Lord, in your resurrection power. Thank you for opening my eyes today. I will not be cheated by the enemy. Going forward, never again, Lord. Never again. I will not be cheated by the enemy. Father, I give you praise and glory. Thank you, Father. Honor and glory we give unto you. Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord.